Hello and welcome to C3 Newcastle City Podcast. It is our honour to host you and trust you will enjoy this message as much as we did. For more information about C3 Newcastle City or to connect with us, visit our website, www.c3nc.com. How's everybody doing? That's cool. I'm doing good too. Just in case you were wondering, you know. Yeah. <laughs> everybody say, how are you doing, Bev? I'm doing great. How do you doing? Um, Jesus, I just ask you to be really present with us tonight. I know you have been already. You, we brought you in with us. We met you when we arrived. We felt you when we prayed. Lord, in every way, we have appreciated the fact that you are so resident in our hearts and lives. I pray, Lord God, tonight that you would help me be able to just give a little bit of your heart and the revelation that comes from your word so that every one of us could get a better idea of what our role is in the body of Christ. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, I'm a bit confused about this word because I always like to have it just exactly right. It's about the only thing in my entire life that I need to be right. Everything else can be chaotic, but I really like to know what I'm speaking about. Thank you. Um, but the Lord just kept adding and taking away from this message, which I don't even like it when people say that because I'm just like, you know what, the Lord can certainly work his mind out last week as easy as today. But I'm just saying, and I, I, that's not something I normally say, but I'm saying it today. So when we were praying in tongues, I realized that I probably needed to talk a little bit about praying in tongues because I don't think that we have enough understanding of how supernaturally uh, effective praying in tongues is for us. I think that we think that praying in tongues is just a prayer language and we get to say things that we don't really know that we're thinking or we, we get to pray directly into a situation that we think it looks like this, but when we pray in tongues, actually we're praying about what it's really like. And it is all that, but it's more than that as well. Because when a person prays in tongues especially when you pray in tongues regularly, you're putting yourself into a supernatural uh, a super, supernatural position. You're putting yourself in a position to hear supernaturally from God in ways that you would otherwise not have done if you were not in that supernatural position. And that's the kind of thing, I don't know if you ever heard about Jackie Pullinger and the fact that she used to pray for like three hours a day in tongues. And she did, you know, she saw the most amazing healings and she saw people set free from incredible drug addictions and all the rest of it because she'd put herself into that particular place. Now, we're Pentecostals. We agree with all of that, but we agree with it all in a detached manner. We don't really agree with it all insofar as, Lord, I want to be supernaturally aware in my day-to-day -day role when I'm on the bus, when I'm, you know, on the train, when I'm in the shop, when I'm um, serving people, when I'm, um, you know, in my work environment. We don't really necessarily think that. But I want to tell you, wouldn't it be interesting, wouldn't it be interesting if you were sitting there doing somebody's law thing and all of a sudden you got a word of knowledge that actually changed the entire situation? That would be really, really cool. I can remember um, talking with a lady once, and she was talking to me about all this stuff 
that was a problem. She was only young. She was a church, she was a church girl and she'd come to our church and um, she's talking about all this stuff and all this pain that she had in her life. Um, and I'd been praying in tongues, but while I was listening to her, all of a sudden it just dropped into my head. She's had an abortion and that is the point. So, you know, you can't really say to somebody, by the way, have you had an abortion? No, that's probably not the thing to do. But what I was able to say, God gave me wisdom then, a word of wisdom, to be able to say to her, you know what, people feel that kind of way if something really traumatic has happened to them, like this or this or an abortion. And she was like, oh, well, I've had an abortion. Now, I don't know what I would have done with that lady over that two-hour period if I hadn't got that word of knowledge. But I'd been speaking in tongues and the Lord had given me this word of knowledge about this lady and a number of times that's happened and I think that many or most or all of you would say a number of times that's happened to you that God has just told you something that you couldn't otherwise have known but it came out of the fact that you've been spending time with him but specifically that you've been speaking in tongues and like I could I could preach for 10 hours on speaking in tongues and I won't but I wanted to throw this bit in before I, I give you the scripture that, that is very much on my heart at the moment. And that is Ephesians chapter 10 and verse 11. And I've even just spoken about it in the last few times I've preached here. His purpose was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, that's one particular version. Um, this, the CEB version says, then God would use the church to show the powers and authorities in the spiritual world that he has many different kinds of wisdom. And the NIV says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authority in the heavenly realms. Now, I think we pretty well know that the unseen rulers and authorities or principalities and powers generally refer to um, dark, dark powers. They refer to the enemy's powers, which are over the world. Things that I, I think I mentioned recently, things like racism and, um, and cruelty and trafficking and this absolutely sex-saturated society that we're living in and any number of other things that you could, that you could put forward. And I, re I, I do think about this a lot. The, the church is my deepest love. I, I love the church of Jesus Christ more than any other thing. And the older I get, the more deeply I, I feel a burden about the fact that the church needs to be showing God's multifaceted wisdom to the powers of darkness. That, you know, I'm more and more aware. But when we say the church... Even though we know the church doesn't mean this building, we know that it doesn't mean this building, and we, doesn't, we know that it doesn't mean this whole group of people that are all sitting here on any given Sunday. It mean, that's the ecclesia, and it means the gathering together of people. So, but that's not the church as such. The church of Jesus Christ is, is worldwide and massive, and then the church of Jesus Christ comes down to me or you. So when, when I come across people, which I do on a regular basis and have for the last 45 years, 
come across people who say, I, I don't go to church anymore because, you know, I'm just so sick of the church because the church is this or that. The church is full of whatever people feel that the church, church hurt me, etc. So I don't go anymore. I still worship God, but I don't go anymore. I'm like, that doesn't make sense because you are the church. You're the church. So if you're not going, that just means some of the church isn't rocking up, but, but you're the church. So the church is micro and macro. It's gets as tiny as just me taking communion by myself in my um, dining room or living room or kitchen or bedroom, using milk and cookies, you know, using whatever I'm doing. But the idea is to take communion. That, that's the church when I'm doing that. And the church is also this huge widespread organisation that it exists for the benefit of everybody that isn't in it. And so for me, you know... I know that if we are the church and the church is supposed to show the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers of darkness, I want to say this, we're the only people who can do that. You know, the government is not going to be able to do anything about the principalities and powers of darkness. Uh, charities are not going to be able to do anything about those principalities. They can... They can put band-aids on. They can help people. The whole thing with compassion. Yeah, there's many, many children being saved and looked after because of compassion and other things like that. But they're all being looked after having come through terrible situations of poverty and trafficking and all the rest of it. The church is the only one who can actually bring God's wisdom to bring change so that those dark powers flee in certain places and in certain ways. And so there is so much darkness in our world. Like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like it's very possible for us as Western Christians to live in this little environment where it's about where I go on Sunday and where I go on Friday night for fun and when I go to the movies and getting my nails done and buying a new car and, and you know, getting together with my family and all that kind of thing. And it feels like this is my Christianity because it's, it's narrow and contained, but it's, you know, it's lovely. But that isn't actually what our Christianity is about or intended to be about because there's so much darkness in our world. There's so much darkness in your world, the people that you know, that you laugh with maybe every day and relate with at work or in your neighborhood, some of them are in the middle of a broken marriage. Some of them right now, their marriage is broken down. Some of them are trapped by pornography and they're just absolutely trapped and they can't get out. I just want to tell you something. The biggest, strongest website in the world is one particular porn site which nets $1 billion a day a day. That's just one site. You know, just th there are people, there are people addicted to porn and we're working with them and we're laughing with them and we're talking with them but they're overwhelmed because they're trapped in a cycle that they can't get out of or they've got mental illness and they, they, they're depressed and they can't tell anybody they're depressed. You keep hearing about people like, say, Robin Williams and others like that who committed suicide and nobody even really knew there was anything wrong. But so there are people who've got terrible problems and the government can't fix their hearts and the, no business can fix their hearts. Charities aren't the answer, even though they're doing their best. Holidays don't really fix anybody's heart. Every, every one of us who've ever been hanging out for a holiday, 
you get back and it's like, well, that was yesterday, you know, and I'm back into it again. Only the wisdom of God can reach into those people's worlds and only the church can bring the wisdom of God and the church isn't the building, the church is us all. Uh, we individuals, it's people distributed around the world in buses and on trains and trams and, and you know, in offices or in shops being the instruments or the carriers of the wisdom of God to show the enemy who has people in his cruel grip of whatever prison actually fits them that there's a way out for those people and that Jesus is that way out. Now, it's that which makes all of us a leader in our own context because every, because every one of us gets into situations, multitude of situations every day when we're up front and faced with a person that none of the rest of us are ever going to see. In fact, I was watching something on Facebook about this. They brought this whole group of people together. There was about 30 people. And they started to tell, and they were all total strangers. And they t started to tell them how they related. And, you know, there, were, there was one couple there, two guys, and... This guy lived in this house, but then they introduced him to the other guy who got brought up in that house before that guy bought it. And then, then they, they brought in a couple of refugees and they introduced him to a couple of other refugees that had helped them, but they never knew who they were, but it helped them. And then they introduced him to a girl whose grandfather was the guy that rode out to get these refugees back in the day it was in America and I don't know, you know what it was about. But they were, they were introducing people to, to people that every one of them had a connection, but they didn't know that they had a connection. And that's the thing I want to bring to us today about being able to show the multifaceted wisdom of God. Because we are people who love the short story. We love to say, I witnessed to this person, they you know, burst into tears, I led them through the sinner's prayer, I brought them to church and now, you know, they're on the music team and we all lived happily ever after. That's the thing. But I can, I remember Rick, for example, I remember um, after he became a Christian, his secretary saw such a difference in him. He didn't bring her to the Lord. But years later, we were in a church and she came up to him and she said, because you got saved and I saw how you changed, I became a Christian as well. But he never knew that that was happening at the time. We only knew that about that afterwards. It was something that, that, that came to us at a later point. And so <clears throat> with all of us, Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love, living as children of light. Now, that's, that's the thing that talks about me, you, us, we individually being the church in a context on a train or, you know, in a supermarket. The context of understanding I'm a part of this thing. I'm not a cog in a giant wheel, I'm a living, a living organism in a body that is alive and strong and is reaching out. And how do I be that person? And, you know, I mentioned before about speaking in tongues. I honestly believe if at the beginning of every day we gave ourselves even five minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour of speaking in tongues into our day, I honestly believe that when we are 
in the supermarket and there's the lady on the checkout and she's being bright and saying, how was your day and all that, that the Lord would give us a word of knowledge and say, this person's in the middle of a really difficult situation. Speak into that and this is what you need to say. That that would, that, and, and, we, and we may speak into that and that person may respond and say thank you or start to cry or whatever they might do and then we pay for our groceries and we go out and then find out a long time later, that that was the link that made that person, that's the wisdom of God, the multifaceted wisdom of God, knowing something that you couldn't otherwise know and knowing how to address it in a way that you would have fumbled around and tried to work out, putting into that person a thing that's a link of the multifaceted wisdom of God. Being made known by the church, me, you, us, being made known by the church, by that one thing, to the principalities and powers who are looking and thinking, I wanted that woman's marriage destroyed and now this person has come along and said that thing and that person's turned a corner. Or, or I wanted this person to feel like there was no hope and they needed to go home and commit suicide and now this person has brought a tiny facet of the multifaceted wisdom of God and given it to that person and now they're not going to commit suicide. Now they're going to go and look for answers. Now they're going to remember that that person used the name of Jesus and now they're going to be, go and say, does anybody know this Jesus? You know, that when we're talking, it isn't like, you know, getting our, you know, working our courage up and be just like, you know, okay, 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 I'm getting ready to do it. And and we make it all about me and you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to witness, I'm going to witness. No, because that honestly, that doesn't work. It really doesn't work. But if we would spend time, you know, I mean, I've seen people do that. And it's been horrific. It's been horrific. But if we would spend time taking seriously, I am part of the church. And my calling, I don't have a title. I don't have... A salary, I don't have a, you know, a platform, I don't have any of those things. But my calling is, as the church of Jesus Christ, to grasp something of the multifaceted wisdom of God for somebody today. Today, Lord. So I'm just going to be speaking in tongues even while I'm putting my makeup on, Lord, or while I'm washing up, or while I'm, not while I'm eating my eggs and bacon because you can't talk with your mouth feels very, very rude. Um, and so, but if I will, if I, for me, it's about getting the revelation. I'm the church. I'm the church. It's not Pastor Ryan. It's not Pastor Erica. It's not those other people out there. It's not the spiritual ones. It's not the strong ones. It's not the ones we all look up to. No, I'm the church. And I can get a hold of the multifaceted wisdom of God and I can show it in a, in a way that shames them to the works of darkness. I can show them that there's a different way. I can intervene in that life. Me with my little tiny life can intervene in that little tiny life. I always used to think to myself, who got Billy Graham saved? Now, I know that way back, uh, you know, you can, you can give me the answer. I know that. Peter, but you know, it, it's traceable back. Nobody's got a problem actually tracing it back, but I don't know who got him saved. And whoever it is, he's not famous. But Billy Graham got multitudes and multitudes saved, and somebody was taking the manifold wisdom of God, just a tiny aspect of it, and placed it into the heart of Billy Graham. 
and it changed everything. Everything about him changed and from that point on, everything changed. And so even now, even though he's not alive anymore, in fact, I heard that he said, you will hear one day that I'm dead. Don't believe it. On that day, I'll be more alive than I've ever been my whole life. And I love to, to think of him in that. But So the point of that is that for us, the building of people who will show aspects of the diverse wisdom of God to the religious to the rulers, to the authorities, to our districts, to our neighbourhoods, etc., takes a mindset. And one of the things I really have loved about this church and about Pastor Ryan and Pastor Erica is the fact that the vision that they have for this city is very clear. It's a very clear vision. And so for many of us, you know, we have this thing of, oh, yeah, well, that's the church's vision and all that. And, yeah, I buy into it from a distance. But I want to tell you this. A friend of mine had this... Does anybody know who Casey Jones is? Casey Jones, steaming and rolling. Casey Jones. Anyway, Casey Jones was a sitcom in the 50s. So that's why you don't know it. And Casey Jones used to drive this steam engine called the, the um, Cannonball Express. And Casey Jones um, used to go into towns and then he'd solve mysteries and murders and then he'd get back in his train again and the train would take off and he'd have one arm on the throttle and he'd have the other arm out the window and be waving and all the little people in the town all be standing there waving at Casey and it was, that was lovely. But you never saw anything about Wall and Wall was the fireman, the stoker. So while Casey has got his... He's got his um, And he's, he's, he can hardly breathe because he's working so hard. He's throwing the coal into the fire. And Casey's up there and he's got his hand on the throttle and he's just, you know, waving at the people. Now, this is the point. We can look at Wall and think, poor Wall. Wall's really doing all the work. That's what we can think. Wall's doing all the work. Poor Wall. And Casey's getting all the glory. Well, actually, any leader can tell you that... <laughs> Behind the scenes, they're working really hard. But for the purpose of this, I'm just saying, the truth of it is, you can't ever have your own steam, you can't have your own cannonball express unless you're willing to shovel coal for somebody else's vision. You've got to be willing to shovel coal for somebody else's vision. And so for me, to be able to see what Pastor Ryan speaks out about taking this town, this city, and 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 turning it around and transforming it and reaching people for Jesus Christ, for me, that's a vision I can buy into. And whatever I can put into it to make that work, I'm going to put into it to make it work. Not actually because I want God to give me my own steam train again because I've been there and done that and, you know, it is a lot harder work, isn't it, than it looks, just not just steering. Um, uh, in fact, sometimes the throttle gets away from you and you've got to bring it back. Um, but the point of all of that is that we buy into serving in the house of the Lord within it and that's one strong thing. We also need to buy into serving in the household of the Lord outside of it. But, and and, and the, this is the thing that's really, really strong about it, is that if every morning I'm praying in tongues and I'm saying to the Lord, I want to be a distributor of the manifold wisdom of God today to the enemy. Now, 
it isn't to the people, right? It's to the principalities and powers of darkness. And the way that we distribute the manifold wisdom of God so that the enemy can see it and be just shamed is by giving something of who God is to the people. So we're not showing the manifold wisdom of God to the people. We're showing it to the powers of darkness. But the process of that means those people are changed. And so that thing about, about Rick and, um, and his secretary, you know, she was changed. We didn't know it. She never came to our church. But when we do that whole thing, we're building the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, once a people put themselves into building the kingdom of God, we are built also. So uh, when we were pastoring in Mittagong, um, we had one guy that was really, really, you know, absolutely enthusiastic about, um, about evangelism. And so for several years, every night, not every night, but every Friday night, he used to go out and do a soup kitchen in the winter. And then in summer, he used to do a sausage sizzle. And they'd, they'd get out there around half past 10, 11 o'clock at night, and they'd serve the people coming out the pubs, and they'd give them bottles of water and all that. And we did that for several years. Now, the thing that's interesting about that is that nobody ever got saved. Nobody ever came to church from that, which was pretty discouraging until we realized that as long as we were doing those outward things, and I'm not suggesting by any means that we go and do a soup kitchen or because it was a lot colder in the highlands than it is here. I'm not suggesting we do that. What I am saying is when you're sowing out, even indiscriminately, wherever it is that there's a bit of soil to sow God's wisdom into, you cannot help but reap in your own field. So you reap personally, but we will also reap here as a church because we are here. Our whole modus operandi is to reach the people of God and our reasoning for that is so that they will know what it is to live a life of triumph and, and strength and love and love of God, to, they, that their lives will be changed. And if their lives are changed, other people's lives are changed. But it, it begins with us. It doesn't begin with the big events we put on. You know, the, the carols, it's just such a powerful event. But it's just showing the manifold wisdom of God to our region. It's just bringing out something. It's not that we're saying we're expecting you all to get saved. It's something that's bringing Jesus Christ to the region. But if we can bring that down to the tiny microcosm of me and my little life and my little 24 hours and the people that I see, that if I'm ready, if I'm ready because I'm praying in tongues is a habit for me, it's part of what I normally do, it's part of the thing that leaves me open to the supernatural when the supernatural opportunity is there, then by the Holy Spirit, God will do something great. And the thing that I was going to say about, um, about, about um, Casey Jones and, and, and shoveling coal for somebody else's vision is that that is what David did when he was looking after his dad's sheep. And that's what Moses did when he was looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And... You know, all the great men and women of God do that. You know, they grow by working under somebody else, under somebody else's vision, within somebody else's vision. The truth of it is, it's still our responsibility pers personally. It's not a thing of saying, well, what do you want me to do, Pastor Rye? I'm just going to do that. that. That's a good thing, but that's not the 360 degrees. That's just a, 
a part of the thing. The 360 degrees is I need to be ready because the kingdom of God needs to be built and I am a wisdom carrier. And if I will operate according to the wisdom that God has given me, if I will be willing to hear from God, just hear from him supernaturally to be able to say, you know, people get that kind of thing if this has happened or this has happened or if they've had an abortion. Oh, I've had an abortion. It's the thing, it's the multifaceted wisdom of God. And it's almost like if we had those kinds of ears that we could hear the howls from the enemy because something of the supernatural wisdom of God just got shown to them and got shown to this person who will use it as a catalyst and from that point on they'll be changed. That's what we're called to do. Yes, that will grow our church. It'll probably grow churches all across this region and out across the region because we're not looking for happily ever after. And then they got saved and then that was it. We're not looking for that. We're looking for, Lord, I'm going out as a wisdom carrier. I'm going out to build your kingdom. This is not just work I'm going to. I'm taking with me the wisdom that comes, the, a part of your wisdom. I'm going to take it with me so that when there's an opportunity, you're going to tell me and I'm going to do it. And for me, that's just so, that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the world and I'm just like, God, you know, why do we think politics is the answer? Why do we think charities are the answer? Why do we think having enough money is the answer? Why are we thinking the only answer is that the purposes of God between me and the people that I come up with, that's the, that's the pivot point around which the kingdom of God is built and established. You don't have to say, do you know Jesus loves you? That you don't have to say that. You don't even have to mention his name. You know, the entire book of Esther doesn't mention the name of God once. Not one time. There's no mention of God in the book of Esther. And yet God works so powerfully in that book. So don't let yourself be guilted into thinking, if I don't say, oh, can I pray for you? If I don't say, oh, God is looking after you, or God told me that. If I don't say that, then I'm not being true to God. That's not true. All you have to do is, is put yourself in a position in the morning before your day begins and be saying to the Lord, Lord, I am open to being your church today, wherever you take me. I'm open whether I do it with my clients or my customers. I'm open whether I, it's the bloke that I sit next to on the bus. I'm open whoever it is and under whatever context that I'm in. I'm open. If you say it, I'll do it. And you know what? The truth of it is, mostly he won't say anything, but sometimes he will. And when he does, we've just got to be people who are ready to be the church, to be the church, because being the church is the thing that will make all the difference. And that whole thing about, you know, it doesn't all end up happily ever after and Rick never brought his secretary to the Lord, but somebody did. You know, the Bible says one sows and one waters. But it's God that gives the increase. So it doesn't, all we have to do is just keep sowing where we can sow and watering where we can water and let God work the rest of it out. But, you know, I, I wish I could feel like I could say this clearly enough, but when the church is the church, the region changes, the district changes. When the church is the church 
And when the, ch- the church can only be the church when the people become the church. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us with that because we really need it. Lord, I know, gosh, Lord, I know I need that really badly. But, Lord, all of us do. And so, Father, I, I'm asking, Lord, we want to see this building absolutely so full that people are outside. Lord, we want to see any new building that you give us. We want to see it crowded with people who came into contact with the wisdom of God, the multifaceted wisdom of God. And by that, the kingdom of God came into their hearts and lives and they were changed and breakthrough came. And Lord, even though they've still got problems like everybody does, Lord, they're not alone in that anymore because you enable them. Father, by the power of your spirit, I pray for revelation, not just on us, but Lord, that we can live it so that other people can pick up on it too. And I thank you for doing that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and it was a great encouragement to you. For more information about C3 Newcastle City, visit our website, www.c3nc.com.